You are listening to the weekly podcast of Bethlehem Temple Church in Middletown, Ohio. We pray you enjoy today's message. Now I'm serious because of your giving and because of the stewardship of the church and because of knowing how to do business, we were able to take care of it and didn't have to ask you for an extra dime. So we thank and praise God for you. Now we're thinking about, or at least get a bid to do the other part so the whole church will be done at the same time. So uh, you pray for that. Also this past week, the men's ministry under the ministry of Minister Garway, we finished our, uh, well, the third or the last quarter of being mentors in one of the local schools. So we thank and praise God for that. Minister Garway, Brother Grady, Elder Myers, myself, we, uh, went into a certain school, and I don't want to call their name because I don't know how public they want it. But we have gone in there over the last several, the last quarter or so, mentoring the young kids and helping them through many things and just being there. I, I remember one time I was there, their particular secretary had passed away, and the kids were just crying and crying and crying. And I, I just happened to come on at that particular shift and start talking to some of the kids and I found out what happened. And I had to change my hat real quick and say, I know how to kind of talk to adults, but how do you talk to kids about grieving? And it's a challenge because uh, if you're not used to it and you don't deal with those young ones, you just get in a habit of saying certain things, but it made me process things differently. So I thank God for God is stretching us beyond ourselves to go and minister to other people. Uh, yesterday, uh, Sister Wynn and her group of women had a wonderful fellowship. It was a time, not only of food, but fellowship and worship, instruction. We thank God for that. And if you're not a part of our Christian development that starts every Sunday at 10, which is our, uh, some call it Sunday school, some call it uh, Christian Academy, whatever you want to call it. If you're not participating in that fellowship, you're missing a treat. Please come and be a part of that. Also, the Hope House ministry, men and women, is growing stronger. The women will be starting back here soon, but the men's ministry continue under the direction of Minister Myers. And then, last but not least, uh, in July, we'll be starting our Vacation Bible School the third week. And I'm sorry, I had one other announcement. Also, we're planning to start back our uh, Bible studies uh, in June. So the first Wednesday in June at 5.30, we'll start back our Bible study and we invite you to all come out and be a part of that. Again, let's give God a hand praise. I just wanted to catch everybody else up. If you'd be so kind, turn with me to the book of Romans and while you turn to Romans chapter 12, verse number one, most of you can quote that a particular verse of scripture. We started on a series a couple of weeks ago from the book of Philippians chapter number two where Paul says, work out your soul salvation. We gave the subject at that time, work it out. And the idea was that since Christ has given us salvation, he has done the work in justifying us. He has commanded us to work it out. We cannot sit on it, we cannot uh, it's not that we can earn salvation, but now that he's given us salvation, he's given us a responsibility to work it out. Can you say amen? amen. 
How do we do it? We're going to start approaching that on today. If you have Romans chapter 12, verse number one, would you please stand in reference of God's word? And I will read it. And I'm just going to read one verse of scripture uh, in King James Version this morning. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The Living Translation says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be living and a holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Today I would like for us to think up on the subject, nothing new, nothing extravagant, but think upon the subject, a call to commitment. A call to commitment. And I do believe as God is calling us to another level, it's going to take another level of commitment. Can you say amen? amen? A call to commitment. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for this day. We thank you for this opportunity that you have given us to come. We ask you to bless this word, let it fall on good ground, that it will bring forth fruit in its season. Now let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, and all God's people say amen. amen. A call to commitment. I believe one of the greatest threats to the church today is the preaching of the gospel that doesn't require repentance. It's the preaching of the gospel that don't require any change. It's a gospel that promotes convenience. It's a gospel that promotes comfort. It's a gospel that tells you all of the perks that comes along with the gospel, but don't tell you about the responsibilities of the gospel. It's almost like you wanting to join one of the local gyms in town. They'll take you in the gym, they'll show you the ab equipment, they'll show you all the things that you can do to get your body the way you want it and all those type of things and you pay your membership, but the gym don't require you to change. That's up to you. And the thing about it is, when it comes to Christ, many people want to come to him, but they don't want to change. What did Jesus say? Jesus, in Matthew 1, 21, he says, and his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. In other words, Wherever you are, you got to come from it into something else called holiness. Now, the gospel that Jesus proclaimed called for discipleship. Called, say discipleship. It's a call to follow him. Now, watch this. It's more than just saying a one-time prayer. Don't let me hurt your feelings. It's more than shaking a preacher's hand. It's more than just one time saying, I confess Jesus. It's more than some of the things that we do, but it's a lifestyle. It's him beginning a work in you. So it's not a destination per se, it's a journey. 
what we find is this ideal of easy believism, or some people call it decisionism, is this whole ideal that being a Christian is easy. If you was in our Christian development this morning, you find out the Bible says even though you bring forth fruit, he still proves us to bring forth more fruit. And the one time decision that we make oftentimes is that a person wants to accept Jesus and they want him to be the Lord of his life or his savior and they want him to be almost like a ticket to heaven but they don't want to do nothing themselves. They want him to be a passport. They want him to be their, their, their way in. But don't you know that Jesus says in Luke chapter 9 that if any man Come after me. He said that man must take up their cross. Daily. Not on Sunday morning before you come to church. Not on Saturday night because you know you got to preach. He says you got to take up your cross daily and follow him. Now watch this. The idea we have of the cross today is an emblem of something that is beautiful. It's something that is prestigious. And if you wear a cross, it's something that means you're a Christian. But in their day and time, the cross would have been like wearing an electric chair around your neck. It was something that was looked down upon. So the cross was a symbol, first of all, of death. Say death. Yeah. When you thought about the cross, you thought about death. And when Christ says that we must pick up our cross, he's saying that we must be willing to die to him daily. In other words, we got to be willing to die to our own goals and die to our own ambitions. And we got to be willing to die to our own aspirations and the things we want to do. And he must increase and we got to decrease and it's got to be your will be done in our lives. It's a symbol of death. In other words, we've got to die to our own agendas. We've got to die to that need to always be right. Talk to some folks. We, we, we got to die to the right that I'm going to have the last say. I don't care what happens. I can be wrong, but I got enough pride. I ain't going to let you be the last one to say something. Anybody ever been wrong, but you say I'm going to still get the last word anyway? It's dying to that ideal. In other words, it's yielding my rights to God when I want to retaliate, when I want to bless you out. When I want to tell you about yourself, I will hold my peace and let the Lord fight my battle, knowing that victory shall be mine. It's yielding my rights. There's times I go on the intersection or the, the highway, and you know you got two lanes of traffic, and all of a sudden the big old diesel truck ought to yield. But he ain't yielding. I got enough sense. You bigger than I am. You got 16 wheels. I got four. I'm going to humble myself. I ain't going to road rage you. I ain't going to fuss with you. I'm going to yield. Because you're bigger than me, Lord. Because you're mightier than me, Lord. 
And because you care about me, Lord, I'm going to yield my rights to you and say, you be God and I'll stay in my place. The cross was a symbol of rejection. Think about it. The Bible said he came unto his own, but his own didn't even receive him. In his hometown of Nazareth, they said, no doubt they said they was talking about, we don't believe he has a carpenter's son. He couldn't do many mighty works because he didn't have the credentials there. They didn't give him the benefit of the doubt. But see, the thing about it is the naysayers never was able to stop him from fulfilling his destiny. Because oftentimes people know your business. Because people won't give you the right credit. And people look at you and say, I know where you come from and I know where you've been and I know how many times you messed up. They don't give you the benefit of the doubt. But if God be for you, In fact, the greater the opposition, the greater the glory when God brings you out. The more mess they throw on you, the more of a masterpiece God will make out of your life. So when folk reject you, don't worry. When folk walk out of your life, keep on trucking, baby. Because if they can leave you like that, they were never a part of your destiny in the first place. Our problem is we try to hold on folk that God brings our life for a season. We try to hold on to them for a lifetime. Let them go. And be what God has called you to be. Cross was a symbol of humiliation. He died as a criminal. He hung on a cross. The cross was a symbol of submission where Jesus, the Bible said, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. But also it was a symbol of betrayal. I remember some 40 some years ago, I remember hearing this said in Bible college. It says, to come to Christ costs you nothing. That's justification. To follow Christ costs you something. Yeah, yeah. But to serve him costs you everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where is the preaching that calls for commitment? Where is the preaching that tells you, you holiness is still right? And believe me, I'm not fussing. I just know that if there's going to be a revival, we've got to make ourselves useful in the master's hand. Me and First Lady, we went out, I guess it was date night, the other night, and we went to a particular restaurant, and she, as she always does, when they bring out, the, uh, before she eat, she check her utensils. <laughs> this time she'll take her fork and put it in the water and stir it. My, my, my point is, I don't care how good the steak is. If the utensil is dirty, you don't want to eat it. I don't care how good the word is. I don't care how fabulous the word is and how well we tell people it's good. But if the utensil, which is our lives, is dirty, people don't want nothing to do with it. 
You, you got my point. That's why it's important to live right. That's why it's important to be a light. That's why it's important to be a witness. So when you do give them food, they ain't sitting up there putting it in water and got dirt all over and say, I don't want nothing to do with that gospel you preach. Again, to come to Christ costs you nothing. To follow Christ costs you something, but to serve him costs you everything. Here in this particular text, Paul calls for us to make a commitment. Now, what is commitment? Commitment means just to make a pledge or an obligation. It means to obligate ourselves to a cause. There are several ideals that come along with this. First of all, commitment communicates entrusting something valuable to someone else. So when we say, I'm committing my life to you, Lord, you're saying, I'm giving you my life. I'm giving you my mind. I'm giving you my soul, my body. I'm giving you everything, and I'm putting in your trust, knowing that you know what's best for me. Also, this ideal of commitment, it means to cause. Not only is it something that you state that I commit, but it's an action that we've got to practice. Watch this. Commitment means that certain decisions are made in advance, irrespective of the circumstances. In other words, when you make a commitment, it's not based on your emotions. It's not based on how you feel at the moment. It's not based on whether the circumstances are conducive. But when you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, come hell or high water, you say, I'm going to be there. Some of you want to follow Jesus today, but you say, I, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I, you don't know the addiction that I'm under. You don't know the struggles that I'm having. You don't know my background. It's not for you to try to figure it out. You make the commitment and God will work in you. His will and to do of his good pleasure. So commitment means that I will honor Christ whatever the pain may be. Now, don't y'all say amen too loud. We just came out of COVID. But it said, I will follow Christ regardless of what the pain may be. Whatever it costs. Whether you see it or not, I believe it. The time is coming in our country where you ain't going to be able to be an undercover Christian. You won't be able to be a secret agent. Because all of a sudden, God is calling us to be light and be a witness, and we're going to go against the culture, and as we go against the culture, they're going to hate us just like they hated Jesus. And the more committed we are to him, the more they're going to hate us. Can I get an amen on that one? I will obey God's word. Watch this. Even when it's the hardest thing to do. Have you ever had to obey God's word when it was hard? Have you ever had to tell your flesh no when it was easy? Has the devil ever put a temptation in front of you that you could get away with and you didn't think nobody would ever fire, but you said no anyway because your word I did in my heart that I may not sin against you? It's your word. It's obeying God, whatever he has called me to do. 
See, we live in a culture in America where people will say, do your own thing. Be all you can be. And I understand that. But I want to be what God wants me to be. Because what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? What does it profit a man to reach the pinnacle of success by the world standard? What does it profit me to have 15 houses and 20 Cadillacs and when they put me to the ground, they're going to say the same thing. Ashes are ashes, dust are dust. I ain't taking none of it with me. So it's saying, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll be fruitful right where I'm planted. See, some of you are planted in some dry ground. You don't see the fruitfulness and you're ready to move on in your relationship. You're ready to move on in your circumstance. You're ready to move on in your job and say, I can't take it anymore. But don't you know, as Jesus was a root in dry ground, God planted you in certain places that you can bloom and show people the glory of God in your life. Therefore, you might lose some friends. That's okay. You might lose some of your Facebook friendly friends. That's all right. Don't let me hurt your feelings. You might not be able to sit with the same folk in church. That's all right. Because the bottom line is only what we do for Christ is going to last. Some of y'all remember the song back in the day. These are the songs we shouted on. Some folk would rather have houses and land. Some folk choose silver and gold. These things they treasure and they forget about their soul. But I have decided. I made a commitment. I have decided. Not based off my circumstances. Not based on my will. I have decided ahead of time, no matter what comes, what goes, what's facing me, what's behind me, I have decided to follow Jesus. I got anybody in here that say I decided to follow Jesus. I got any witnesses in the house. And then I love it says, and the road gets rough. That's what we shout about. And the going gets tough. Anybody ever had any heels that was hard to climb? But I started out a long time ago. For me, over 43 years ago, I started out a long time ago. And there is no doubt in my mind, I have decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to make him my choice. Got to get moving here. In this call of commitment, notice Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, with your reasonable service. First of all, Paul noticed the word therefore. Whenever you read the word therefore in the Bible, you need to figure out what it's there for. And Paul, in this particular chapter, Paul is shifting from doctrine to duty. 
For 11 chapters, he said, this is the doctrine. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. And then all of a sudden, now he's going to shift to the practical side. He, he, he moves from creed to conduct. He moves from principle to practice. And Paul often does this in his writing. In other words, Paul gives you the doctrine first or the teaching. Then he said, this is how you live. You go to most churches, most seminars, they're trying to tell you how to live it, but you don't have the teaching. They try to tell you how to live it out, but you ain't got the foundation. They tell you how to have victory when you don't know victory. You've got to have the word of God. You've got to have that implanted in your life, and then you can practice what he's saying. So he said, therefore, based upon what I told you, now I'm going to show you how to live it out. He says, therefore, I urge you. Notice Paul. He says, I urge you, I beseech you, I plead with you. This is an urgent request. He, he's saying, don't put this off. He says, you can't uh, uh, let this decision linger out there. I beg you to do it. Now, what he was saying was, he says, notice, your commitment to me is in relationship to what I've done for you. He said, based off of the mercies of God. Watch this. He says, because you're forgiven. Because you have, you're free from condemnation. This is Romans 1 through 11. Because the Holy Spirit indwells with us. Because we're united with Christ. Because we are the elect of God. Because in Christ there is no separation. He says, in light of all of these mercies, the least you could do is offer your life to him. Notice, the motivation is different. I'm not trying to be a living sacrifice to be saved. Paul says, because you already say you ought to live out what I've been teaching you. Paul was trying to say what the psalmist says, what shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits? In other words, when you think about how good God has been, when you think about how he's kept you, how he kept your mind when your mind was confused, for me to live for him now is a joy, it's a pleasure, and I want to give my life to him. He says, it's called a commitment. First of all, he said it's a personal call. If you notice in this first number one, how he uses the term ye and your body's living sacrifice. In other words, it's an act of your will. You must present your body. It's easy for us to try to present our neighbor's body and see what they ain't doing. It's almost like Paul was saying, you, the spiritual man, you, the man who submitted to the Holy Spirit, now you present your body. In other words, the power that's in us gives us the ability to present our bodies a living sacrifice unto him. He said, it's a personal choice. I, growing up, I used to say, well, Lord, how come you don't just make us do something? God doesn't make us do it. You have to be willing to say, Lord, I yield myself. Lord, I surrender to you. All to you, I surrender. In other words, God gets the glory when we surrender our will unto him. This commitment is both initial and it's a process. 
The word present there is in the aorist tense with emphasize, yes, we present once for all. That's the initial act of sanctification. But as we have been describing the last several weeks, sanctification is also a lifetime process of being like Jesus Christ. So the commitment is that if we're going to see revival, if we're going to see miracles, if we're going to see the New Testament church as represented in the book of Acts, we've got to learn to present our bodies. We've got to yield ourselves over to him. And that's something of a personal choice we've got to make. Not only is it a commitment that is initial and ongoing, Paul said this commitment involves your body. If you look at Romans chapter 6, you don't have to turn there. Verse 13, Paul says, do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. In other words, Paul says, don't yield yourself. In other words, now that you've got the Holy Spirit, when we cut up, we cut up by choice. When we cut up, we can't say the devil made me do it. I know you've done it, and I've probably done it, and I've heard a lot of people say They slip up and start cussing. And now I'm not, don't, 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 start cussing. And, and, and then all of a sudden, they, they, they say, oh, that, that was an accident. No, that was in you. Just, just call it what it is. And if you, your spiritual man, is not got your natural man, your body under subjection, you liable to cut somebody and do a whole lot worse. And again, this is not a commentary on cussing. I'm just saying that's something that sometimes it slips out. And, 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 and have you ever said something? Man, I didn't even know that was in me. I didn't know that was. I, I thought I got victory over that last year. But, but, but the devil knows how to tempt us. And, and so Paul says, don't yield your members unto unrighteousness. And, and, and how many times in our computer age, let's just get real. There's sometimes I've clicked on a link. I see something come out. Oh, no, I can't go. I ain't watching that. You've got to know you can't handle that mess. Don't give the devil a foothold in your life. As soon as you see it, turn it at the door. You notice when people, usually when we fall, it's because we fall out of arrogance. We fall out of pride. That'll never happen to me. Old Pete said, Jesus said, y'all gonna deny me. Pete said, oh no, Lord, all the rest of them. Well, not me, I'm Pete, I'm rock. I'm rock. He says, before the crow strike three times, you're going to deny me. And all of a sudden, Peter, when he did it, he grieved because he remembered what the Lord said. Pride got him. See, when we yield ourselves over to unrighteousness, oftentimes we think, I can handle it. How many things in our life we think we can handle it? I can handle this situation. I'm in a situation, I can handle it. I can, I, I, I'm strong enough. And I can uh, hear Brother John sing a song. And I, can, I can get a victory over it. I can get a fast song going. But the way we overcome it is not through a fast song. It's you're learning how to yield ourselves over to the word of God. How shall a young, or old, a middle-aged man cleanse his ways? 
by taking heed to the things that come from the Word of God. So when the things come in our mind, we got to let the Word of God bring down every thought, every bondage, every stronghold. And it's up to you to do it in your own life. I'm so glad he didn't say preachers present folk body. Because we as preachers, we got problems with presenting our own bodies. We've got challenges ourselves. We got issues ourselves. So it's our responsibility to present our bodies unto the Lord in a living sacrifice. And let me get done here. He says, This commitment is your reasonable serve. That word reasonable comes from where we get the word logic from. He says, when you look at what God has done, it's only logical to want to give your body a living sacrifice. In other words, when we sing the song, when I look back over my life and think things over, truly, I've got a testimony. When folk didn't say we were going to be here, when folk said we was going to lose it all, when folk had already written us off, when folk had already put us in bankruptcy, when folk had already seen us on the street, and if it had not been for the Lord who's been on our side. So when I come to church, that's just my logic. He just been too good to me all week long. In other words, I'm not coming to church to have joy. I'm coming because I got joy. Coming to have fellowship because I'm in fellowship. I don't come to see y'all jump and shout. I'm jumping and shouting all week long. So when I come to church, I can say, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So if you don't want to praise him, get out of my way. If you don't want to lift up your voice, I don't need your voice. Because he's been too good to me. This is my reasonable. My reasonable service. That word service there, as I try to land this plane, is worship. It's your logical, it's your reasonable worship. He says, and I'm going to bypass him. He said, I don't want no dead sacrifice. As they would have been accustomed to knowing in the Old Testament. I don't want you to drag no chicken in here or no uh, turtle dove in here. That's not what I'm asking for. He said, bring your life. Bring your life. Bring your life. Y'all know, I don't oftentimes say God spoke to me unless I believe he spoke to me. Because I don't be playing and putting words in God's mouth. But the last week or so, I last couple weeks, I was dealing, going through some stuff and dealing with a lot of stuff. And in the midst of all that I was going through, and I heard it somewhere, but God brought it back and almost made it a rhema word. God says, all I want is you. Man, you talking about blessing me. Man, that's still blessing. All I want is you. I don't want all the other stuff. I don't want the accolades. I don't want all the stuff people's. All I want is you. And when you understand 
God wants you. That frees you from all the other stuff folk kind of put on you. That frees you from all the other obligations. God says, what I want is you. And today, what he wants is you. I said, what he wants is you. What he wants, all I want is you. That's what he's saying today. So I'm going to conclude with that on today. And there may be someone under the sound of my voice who have not made that commitment. I ask our praise team if they would come forth and prepare to lead us in this next portion of service. But God is calling us to commitment. He's calling us to a greater commitment for him. It's not that you necessarily backslid. It's not necessarily that you've done anything wrong, but he says even when you bring forth fruit in our lesson today, he prunes us that we can bring forth more fruit. And Christ wants our life to be fruitful. He wants us to be committed, and it's a call of commitment. The commitments that we made last year is not good enough today. We fight more devils than we've ever had to fight. So we gotta up our game too. We can't stay at that same level and think we can have victory. We gotta renew our commitment to the Lord at this time of praise. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.